good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is Tuesday, October 6th, 2020. And yesterday was an interesting day for the Big Ten because obviously we were still kind of reeling from the injury from Jack Cohen. And Paul Chris did confirm yesterday the injury to Cohn's foot that he suffered in practice. Uh, they say that Graham Mertz is taking first-team reps, but here's the kicker. He wasn't very specific as to the extent of Cohn's injury. Uh, still needed to get a little bit more information about the actual injury and the severity of it. And so we are kind of in a waiting game. But like I said, what we do know is that Graham Mertz, the very highly rated quarterback, the rising second-year player. Again, I'm not 100% sure if he qualified for a redshirt last year, but he definitely played. Uh, so, obviously, Mertz is going to be a first-year starter. He never got that start last year. Colin had the job all year last year. And this is obviously pretty big, very big. And I think that when you look at it, when the – Badgers went to Cohen. I didn't really think that he was actually going to sustain the job all year. Well, he kept the job all year, and he looked pretty good doing it. Uh, He's a typical Wisconsin quarterback. He's not a game-breaker. He's a guy that manages the game well, uh, puts him in a position to win, and they win a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of offense that Wisconsin's going to run when Paul Christ trots out his team in just under three weeks. Yeah, that's right. It's almost time. It's getting there. It's really close. So the severity of the cone injury is definitely something to keep an eye out for. The Big Ten West, they've owned. Wisconsin has owned the Big Ten West. And and there's been a new challenger. That new challenger is Obviously, Minnesota, and there'll be a little bit of news about Minnesota as well in just a moment. But, you know, Minnesota, they made a run for it last year. It came down to the wire. It came down to the final week last year as to who would represent that side in the Big Ten championship game. So when you look at things for Wisconsin, this is, I wouldn't say this is worst case scenario, but this is pretty bad. This is obviously not what they intended and what they wanted. And anytime you get a practice injury, it's just so disheartening. You really want to see – nobody wants to get injured. And you hate seeing guys get injured. But if you do want it to happen, you want it to happen on a Saturday during competition. I just – I hate seeing guys get hurt in practice. It's just – a difficult situation to go through. And who really knows what's going through Jack Cohen's mind right now? Uh, what I would have to expect is that he's a little frustrated. The Big Ten season looked like it wasn't going to happen in the fall. Kevin Warren opted to revert course five weeks later after he canceled the season or quote-unquote postponed the season. And now, less than three weeks away, find out that you're – have suffered a major injury and you're going to be out for the year. And this is the biggest injury that we've had so far in the Big Ten. 
This is the most significant. Now, obviously, we've had a couple other injuries. A couple other guys are going to miss some time. But this one's huge. No other – there hasn't been a quarterback. No other quarterback has come out with an injury. This is – this is definitely something to monitor. We're going to continue monitoring it because more news is going to come out. I mean, that's probably one of the first questions that when Paul Chris gets in front of the media again, they're going to ask. And rightfully so. We want to know. And it's unfortunate. Again, like I said, it's very unfortunate for Jack Cohen. But the silver lining here is that Graham Burns is the highest rated quarterback ever to sign with the Wisconsin Badgers. And yeah, everyone's going to be like, oh, but what about Russell Wilson? Remember, Russell Wilson did not start his career at Wisconsin. He played at NC State for three years. He was a grad transfer. He was one of the first grad transfers, actually. Very first. And he went out and he absolutely dominated. And look what he's doing now in the NFL. You can make a very solid argument that Russell Wilson is the Best quarterback right now in the NFL. And if you look at the stats, I mean, he's broken a record for most touchdowns for the first four weeks. Patrick Mahomes didn't do that. No, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is all world and can do everything and has so far has led his team to a 4-0 record. So, but there's an argument that can be made, 100%. And it's not an argument that's going to go on deaf ears because Russell Wilson's definitely up there. He's up there in that discussion. But I went a little off topic. Uh, Like I said, there's going to be some Minnesota news coming out, and we'll get to that right now. Because, yeah, they got Rashad Bateman back. But they are losing another one of those guys, and that is wide receiver Demetrius Douglas. Douglas is opting out, and he's just going to retire from football. He's going to move on with life. Uh, You see every once in a while. You do. Uh, Sometimes injuries take a toll on a person's body. And that's kind of what happened with Douglas. Douglas doesn't have an extensive injury history, but he has an injury history nonetheless. And I get where he's coming from. It's frustrating sometimes. And when you get over-recruited and you don't get your opportunity and then injury holds you back, I get it. I get where he's coming from. It's unfortunate, but you know what? There's always life after football. Just remember, as an athlete, your time frame is very short. It's not long. It's less, it's, I'd say it's about you know a third, maybe a quarter of your life that you'll be, be playing sports. And you have to move on. So, you know, moving on early sometimes is the right thing for some players. It is. Iowa has lost two players as well as starting linebacker Demon Colbert and defensive lineman Tajir McCall. They both have opted out. Colbert is the bigger loss here because Colbert actually is a starter. He started the last two years, uh, battled through some injuries. Uh, I believe he had about 50 tackles last year. And that's just unfortunate because Iowa needs as much help as they can get. After losing A.J. Epinesa from the team last year, 
they're they need some depth and they really need to do a good job now traditionally they've had some good linebackers and some and, and it's a very good unit and Kirk Ferentz again also says that hey he's not necessarily worried about the unit long term but short term when you miss out on a couple years of starting experience that's significant and especially in a season like this one where you're not sure who's going to be suiting up every week due to COVID protocols. But what I will say is this, Iowa has done a very good job. At one point in time, we all remember, Iowa had to shut things down because it wasn't looking good. They were having a big time issue. And now they released their testing numbers yesterday, just four positives out of 237 tests throughout the football team. That's progress. That's progress. I don't, I'm not even going to do the math again on that one. Because that math, it's under 2%. Easy math. Very easy. So I was doing a good job. A lot of schools are doing a good job. Obviously, I told you Michigan's numbers that they reported last week. They're doing a really good job. But the key here is that some schools haven't released their information. So we have no idea what the hell's going on. Ohio State's been very quiet. We don't really know what's going on with them. Another school that's been quiet has been Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern had one positive case, and they shut things down and started tracing, but not a peep since then. So they've been very quiet. The only time you heard anything from Northwestern was when they had to shut things down. Otherwise, I don't think they would have said anything. So it's interesting which teams have and which teams haven't. I think that... Uh, transparency is important. Uh, I do think that they're being clear with their families, however, of the student-athletes. I think that that is 100% the case, because if it wasn't the case, I think you'd see more parents getting onto social media. There'd be a, more of a, of a fuss as to the questioning as to what's going on in, in, in the, within the football programs. So, yeah, they might not share it with the media, and it might not be general news. But I do think that the players know, the families know, the athletic departments know. There's a lot of people that know. It's just not leaked out to the media. So, I guess it's good and it's bad. I guess I'm not 100% sure. I I would like to see it because I think that kind of knowledge would be good for the general population. But, you know, some schools, they've chosen not to give out their COVID information. So it is what it is. All right, a couple notes on the basketball side of things. is It's starting to heat up. Basketball is right around the corner. They are getting close. Yes, it's going to be a shortened season, so we're going to see some different things. And those different things are going to include MTEs, multi-team events is what those are. And John Rothstein yesterday came out, and uh, he breaks all sort of college basketball news. I mean, Rothstein is clued in. He's got a ton of sources. So Rossi yesterday reported that the Fighting Illini will most likely hold an MTE at the State Farm Center uh, from November 25th through the 27th. Uh, he says that each team is going to play three games in a round-robin style tournament. So I, I think that's that's kind of what we're going to see a lot. when If we're going to see non-conference games 
in NCAA basketball this year, it's going to be a bubble type of situation where it can be controlled, where it's not a, a, a lot of traveling. You know, the, the teams travel once and they play three different opponents. I believe the schedule is going to be consistent of 27 games, which is cut off uh, a decent portion. Uh, I think I think it's about eight games that they're cutting off. And this is how teams are going to be able to play a little bit of non-conference schedule, too. So uh, it's pretty interesting that Illinois is going to hold one of these. Uh, other schools in the Big Ten are definitely going to do this as well. So we'll continue to monitor those. But uh, a lot of schools who had been set up to do some traditional preseason type of events like this are going to start having their own MTEs. It, it's just what it is going to be for this odd, odd college basketball season. Uh, Nebraska got some really good news on the basketball front as well yesterday as transfer Trey McGowan's from Pittsburgh has been granted immediate eligibility. McGowan's is a big-time player. He used to be a top 100 guy coming out of high school. This is a really big boon for Fred Hoiberg and the Cornhuskers. They need as much talent as they can get. And McGowan's, when he was at Pitt for the two years, really did a good job, uh, double digits in scoring uh, over 20 times. So it's not like McGowan's a a guy that is just going to fill a roster spot. McGowan's going to have a really big impact on this team. And as Fred Hoiberg continues into his second year as the Cornhuskers' lead man, he needs help. He needs as much help as he can get. And McGowan's, the ruling by the NCAA, is that help that Hoiberg needs. It's not going to be the only help that Hoiberg needs, but it is help that he will need. And it will be interesting to see how they go forward going through the Cornhuskers specifically because – I think Fred Hoiberg's a very good coach, but uh, he obviously was at a disadvantage last year, especially with recruiting, uh, becoming the head coach so late in the game, not really getting an opportunity to get in these guys' houses and get in front of these faces and go after some of the high-level players because of the fact that he was hired so late. Well, now he's had time, and I think that eventually you're going to see a pretty solid Nebraska basketball team, but not right now. It's not going to be now. I think that he's still a year, potentially two years away from really putting together a squad that will contend in the Big Ten and then go on and play in the NCAA tournament. But I still, I, I like, I like the direction of the program. And I think that although Fred Hoiberg might've gotten a raw deal with the Chicago Bulls, I think he's much better suited at the collegiate level and will find success with Nebraska. I really do. And that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. Once again, I appreciate the listen. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten. I'm ready to review us and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Tuesday, Big Ten fans. I will talk to you tomorrow morning.